This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is sponsored by Fisher Skis, and you can visit them at www.fishersports.com. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Adam Jabber. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast, and today we have Claudia Vastian on the show. She is a professional at breathwork, cold plunge, basically just taking care of your body. She has seminars, uh, events, kind of like getaways it's it's actually really cool to hear somebody talk about this from a professional setting from a place of having real experience in this category she's been doing cold plunge for seven plus years um, and is really really open about the way she thinks about it the way she talks about it the way that kind of her business model works too um, and the benefits to you as the end consumer whether you are doing it on your own in a freezing lake, whether you're doing it guided, whether you're doing it just in your shower in the morning, like where are the benefits? Where do you start to see those benefits? So I am very excited to have Claudia on the show. I want to do this one for a while. So I'm looking forward to it. Before we jump into the show, a couple quick things. One, you may have noticed the gear guide is online right now, available for pre-order you can go get that thing. It is our best gear guide yet. It's only the second one, so I guess it's just better than last year. These things are like collector's items at this point. Like they are limited run, buy a print, comic book style gear guide. Uh, you'll help us out and you'll get some good insight on product for 2024. And more importantly, this year we added a ton of new writing from some great contributors. So thank you to everybody that contributed in some way, whether it was for a personal gear review or for just kind of a thought piece. There's some really cool writing, and obviously the artwork is done by Shane McFalls, which never misses. I don't think I've ever seen one of Shane's designs that I did not like. So go get that. It's at getthecollective.com or on outofpodcast.com. Either way, you can go get yourself a new gear guide right now. We will have accompanying merch and other products, but that will not be available until it is time to release the gear guide. All right, so a couple weeks when it'll actually get shipped, but it is available for pre-order right now. Also, check out the YouTube channel if you have not yet. It is uh, rolling with new gear stuff for 2024, um, as well as a bunch of other cool projects that we've been working on. So I hope you get after that just out of collective on YouTube, which has actually been really good for us lately. So thank you to everybody that is subscribed and paying attention to that. It, uh, it means a lot. It's like one of those few platforms that we can actually make money without selling you stuff, um, which is nice. So I appreciate you uh, you feeding me. Before we actually jump into the show, a couple quick things. One, Fisher is a sponsor of the Out of Bounds podcast. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know this already. They've been our partner forever and will continue to be our partner forever. You can get the very best touring ski that exists. You'll see it in the gear guide. In the new Transalp, that 105 CTI is like, it, it's actually a touring ski that skis like a ski. I know that sounds like every touring ski in the world should ski like a ski. It does not. A lot of them feel brittle. A lot of them either feel like two by fours or they feel like you're skiing on toothpicks. This is finally something for people that actually want to go tour, but care more about skiing down or just as much about skiing down as they do the ascent. So go to fishersports.com, get yourself some info on some new skis. You can even buy direct online where it will ship to your local retailer. Your local retailer will ship it to you. So go check that out, Fisher, Fisher Forts, fishersports.com. Also, 
Our friends at Rumple make the very best in puffy blankets. They have a whole new line, artist series collabs, as well as some pretty techy cool product, including the new Nano Loft, which is like the lighter weight, smaller, more compact blanket. I've been sticking that in my frame bag for a long time, and it's been great. Like anytime I just want to pop out for a quick break, I want to camp. It's actually nice to be able to stick all my stuff in there, and that Nano doesn't take up hardly any extra space. So that has been huge. Sporting events, all that good stuff that you do in the fall where it gets a little chilly. Get yourself a rumple at rumple.com, R-U-M-P-L dot com. Cool? Cool. And without further ado, I hope you enjoy our episode with Claudia Besson. Claudia, tell people who you are, a little bit about yourself, (laughs) and let's kind of take it from there. Okay, sounds good. So my name is Claudia Vashed. I am an Anishinaabe Kwe out of uh, Kabouak First Nations in Ontario. I've been living out here in Stomish on the lands of Stomish First Nations for the last two years, but moved to Vancouver seven or eight years ago, I think it is now. And in that space and time of moving out to British Columbia, the person that I've I guess become this identity that I've taken on is somebody who does a lot of cold water exposure. Uh, So a lot of cold, like ice baths, ice plunges, whatever you want to call it. And because I got into it a long time ago and it's been really beneficial to my nervous system, I started facilitating it. So in addition to getting into the cold water, of course I have all many different things different aspects of my identity, but I run cold exposure events uh, that combines breath work and cold exposure for people to regulate their nervous system, workshops and retreats for that, do nervous system coaching as well. And, you know, really anything that gets me outside is what I do as well. Surfing, ice climbing, uh, sport climbing, hiking, mountaineering, kind of literally anything that will get me out there. I even signed up for an Ironman or 70.3 Ironman in 2024 because I was like, yeah, swim, run, bike. It'll get me out there even more. (laughs) I do the same thing. It's like you just see an event you're like, all right, let's, yeah, fine. This will be okay. Yeah. Somebody on on a trail one day, they're like, you must be a masochist. And I was like, Ah, uh, maybe a little bit like glutton for punishment <laughs> while being like beautiful outdoors. That's, I think that's pretty much my MO. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's how I should have started it. <laughs> started my introduction. Hi, I'm a masochist. <laughs> this is, uh, this is what I do. <laughs> and that's just what goes on the title of my resume. Yeah. Masochist. Perfect. Professional masochist. <laughs> oh my God. What, what did you do before all of this? So before all of this, and while I was also doing all this, because I only just left my career of, of like 10 years, uh, I only just left it. It was a mutual separation, we'll call it. Uh, and that only just happened about two months ago. Okay. So during all of this, while building the retreats and the events, in my off time and on weekends and going out to the mountains and building this community, I worked in admissions and recruitment for higher ed. So, you know, when you were a high school student and you talked to people about, you know, what university you should go to for your undergrad, Mm -hmm. that 
that was me. And then near the end of my career, the last four years of my career, I worked for medical schools or okay. I worked through medical schools kind of throughout the whole, uh, my whole career. But the last one, I worked for a medical school in the Caribbean okay. and I work with admissions and recruitment for all of our Canadian students on the West coast. And that was my Monday to Friday and something I was incredibly passionate about because I get to help people realize their potential and realize what they're capable of. A lot of people, when they're looking at admissions specifically for medical school, they think there's no way, you know, I'll never get in. Why should I even try? I'm, you know, 25, I'm 35, I'm 40. This isn't the time for me to try this out. And when I started running cold exposure events, I found the, the same passion in that. You know, I'd have somebody come in to one of my events and they're like, so I'm here. I showed up, but I'm not going to make it past five seconds. I'm just going to tell you that. Mm. Like, okay, yeah, no problem. That's that's okay. If you sit in there for five seconds, that's an accomplishment. That's even that's another thing that you just did. And then they'd get in the ice bath after doing a breath work session and really connect with their nervous system and connect with themselves and they'd be able to hit the two minute mark mm. no problem which is where you know all the benefits really start to kick in and that was that's where i realized i was like oh my god i can you know what i love in my career i can do in other aspects of my life i can show people what they're capable of inherently capable of and how powerful they are on their own on their own i just need to kind of give them a safe container if you will mm. Um, our safe space for them to realize the immense amount of capability that they have within themselves. So that transferable skill somehow made its way into guiding cold exposure and breathwork sessions, which is not what I foresaw in my future whatsoever. <laughs> what What was the feeling like when you decided like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this full bore. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to commit to this and I'm leaving a stable, comfortable job. <laughs> Um, a lot of screaming, like <laughs> external and internal screaming that hasn't actually stopped. I'm still screaming kind of like, what have I done? Cause I was, I moved up in my career really quickly. So I've had the golden handcuffs on me since I was like 25 years old. Yeah. I would I, like, I established my career when I was, was like, 20, 21 is when I started in this. So uh, a lot of screaming. Yeah, it's been really nerve wracking, anxious. I'm thankful that I actually have really good understand a really good understanding of my nervous system and how to manage anxiety and stress, mm. or else I would just probably have crawled mm. into a ball and just kind of said, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I haven't done, thankfully. The cold water is definitely a huge help. Same thing with all of the mountain sports that I do. All of it helps train your nervous system to teach you you can do hard things. So when you deal with stress and anxiety throughout the day, when it comes to stress and anxiety in the business or trying to create a business or become an entrepreneur or at least start calling yourself even an entrepreneur, you can manage those, those moments. But um, there's also been a lot of excitement because this, I, I really love my career. I love the traveling that I did. So I get on the road on September, like September, mid September, and then I'd be on the road full time on a flight every two to three days mm. until April. It was constant. And I really, I love that. I love traveling. I love having my home. I love having my home base. 
But then it's really important to me that I go out and I experience and I, you know, touch new places and I, I go meet new people. So I really got that out of that. But I realized in this new line of work or following this new passion that I can do that, but I can even do it with more flexibility than I even had before. Mm. And I can, I can really help people even better than I could have before. Cause when you're in cor- a corporate setting, there's only so much that you can connect with somebody, you know, you still have to remain professional and not that you don't remain professional within cold right. exposure and breath work, but there's a level of connection that you can really establish with somebody when you do one-on-one sessions or you do group work with, you know, a group of friends or family members, even you can really go that extra mile. And that's the extra mile that I've always been capable of that I finally actually get to step into with this. So that, that in itself is incredibly exciting to be a part of and to be able to finally do. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And I'm psyched for you. I, so this is my, (laughs) my follow up to that is a lot of people have things, side hustles and things that they want to do. And Mm. a lot of people don't fully commit or if they commit, mm. they look at their old life as a kind of safety blanket to go back to if things get too hard or if they feel like they're not making enough money or it, it's not working out the way. Like the first sight of any kind of difficulty on their own, they start to think about, OK, like I could just go back and do what I was doing before and be comfortable. Am I OK mm-hmm. with that? Have you had that thought? What did that conversation look like with yourself? Because it, we all anybody that starts a new thing on their own kind of has that a little bit, no matter how set you are on what the goal is. Mm, I definitely have. Yeah. To have that golden pair of handcuffs and know I can just readily go into another university and pick up a new contract. There are international recruitment contracts that I could do for four months that would allow me to just kind of like blip in and out rather than take on my whole career again. That's incredibly tempting, but there is, although there's nervousness around it not working, there's also a really strong belief that it it, it will work. And, and that as long as I put the same energy that I have been, how do I put this? When I was working a full-time job, I was, you know, only able to work on the weekends and in the evenings. And somehow my events and my workshops and my retreats always filled up and there was always a want for more and there would be wait lists and there would be people asking me for one-on-one nervous system coaching and I would take it on and I was working a full-time job. So if I could do that while working a full-time job, then the, su- the success that I can bring to myself while com- recommitting those 40 hours a week mm-hmm. to this, then there's there's no way that it'll fail. And you know what? It's almost like a mantra. You have to tell yourself that you can do hard things and you have done hard things and you will be successful in those hard things. You'll conquer them and you'll just make it through. It'll be hard <laughs> and it is. <laughs> But you have to push through. You have to push through the discomfort and you got to keep going. And that's probably a daily mantra for myself when things get hard. And 
things are hard every day. Yeah. And I don't think that's going to ever stop even a year from now, if I meet my goals for what I want to achieve, it's st- if even if I reach that, I'm not done because I'm going to have a new set of goals. And that that's incredibly exciting as well. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree with you. I think it, looking at it that way is is healthy because it, it kind of changes mm. your perspective a little bit. So mm. let me ask you this then. As far as goal setting for your own business, what does that look like for you? I think everybody rolls into mm. running their own business in a different way. Some people do it because they just love it and they don't care how much money they make. Some people care about the impact that they make on an individual. Some people just care about the money mm. alone. You know, So when you're, when you're setting these goals for yourself, what does the conversation look like when you decide here are, and, and I think before we even get to this answer. I I think that goal setting is super, super important when you have your own business, Mm -hmm. because it gives you a target to shoot at that you've already had in a in a business that wasn't your own. And and that's a thing that Mm -hmm. I think needs to carry over a little bit. So what what did that conversation look like in your head or with yourself or even with somebody else? Mm -hmm. I think the immediate thought was what are my values? Why am I doing this? Why am I not going to just go work for somebody at a company again? Why is it that I've wanted to make this pivot? And it, it comes down to my values and what I want to be able to achieve for others and to really realign myself to my values. Mm. So having a conversation with yourself around what do I value? What makes me feel appreciated? What makes me feel seen? You know, these are basics that you maybe forget to think about when you're goal setting, but your goals are so attached to those things that you, if you know that a goal is attached to a value system for you, it's much easier for you to go after it because then then you know that inherently that's a driving force for you. So if you value money, then of course, one of your goals is going to be a financial goal most likely. Mm -hmm. If you value human connection, and you really want to make an impact on people's lives, then perhaps perhaps you have like a minimum amount of events that you do or a minimum, minimum amount of one-on-one sessions that you want to achieve. Or maybe if it's feedback, like you need 50 feedback, like positive feedbacks that year, like whatever it is, it's always attached to what you value. So I I checked in with myself pretty much the week that that I, that my job ended. And I try, I've asked myself, like, what do I value? Why, why is this career, this new shift in my life going to actually work for those value systems? And it came down to helping people and being able to actually show up authentically in the way that I want to. Those are two big value systems for me. And the authentic expression that one is a piece that has been a huge shift in my life this year. There's been a lot of, it's been the hardest year of my life, even bef- predating me leaving mm-hmm. my job but before that happening. And authentically being me is, is something that I just can't not be anymore. Mm. And the fact that I can do that while leading cold exposure and breath work, that there's, immense amount of space for me to show up just as exactly as I am like I can show up to a breathwork session and if I'm having a bad day 
people can know about that. I don't need to pretend that I am some lofty individual who does not feel or doesn't go through hardship because I regulate people's nervous systems or at least give them protocols to help regulate their nervous system throughout the week. Like I can be me and that's, that's incredible. So just getting into this alone was a goal Mm. achieved. (laughs) Just accepting that this is what I'm going to do was a goal achieved. And there is, The other goals that I have for myself are specific events that I want to run, new collaborations with individuals that are aligned or companies that are aligned who have the shared vision of helping people and making impactful changes and letting people realize or helping people realize how powerful they are. Because I think in the space of wellness, when it comes to practitioners or guides or facilitators, oftentimes fingers are pointed at those individuals as changing people's lives Mm. when in fact they're just they didn't change anybody's lives i've i've not i've not changed anybody's life so i've provided an opportunity for people to realize how they can change their lives and and they've been able to take on that power themselves like i don't know i'm kind of going on a tangent here but just helping people in that way is is a goal of mine and i don't actually have a certain metric that i've attached to it mm. but i guess it would be anytime i receive feedback i feel like i'm receiving i'm achieving that goal so that's a constant goal that i am achieving and that never really goes away because it's the main reason why i do things yeah no i love um, i love that answer <laughs> i of course have financial goals as well It'd just be nice to be able to like afford a roof over my head and food, but yeah, I don't know if that's life. like, oh, yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think that's always a good, like, as far as money goes, that's an awesome first place to start for anyone. Like pay your yeah. bills, right? Like be able to pay your bills with the job that you're taking on. And if you can do that, I think at least financially, it's a win in the first couple of years, yeah. you know, it takes forever to figure that out. And it ta- I mean, it's different for everybody. Like some people do it mm-hmm. and they're able to hit those goals in two hours, right? Like <laughs> some people do it and it's 10 years later and they finally start making money. And I think that's fine. Right. As long as you can figure out a way to sustain yourself so that you can keep doing that thing. I feel like none of us in this like outdoor space are trying to be the richest person alive. No. You know? Like it just doesn't make no. sense. And I think that comes down to probably our value set because right. you know, richness doesn't come from things that typically buy us money. Of course, like it's nice to have the nice bike and it's nice to have the skis that are for powder and, you know, our rock skis for when it's like end of season and we're pro- they're probably going to get demolished. It's nice to have money to have those things. But I feel like with individuals within the outdoor community, they value a lot more that doesn't come with money whatsoever. Yeah. No, I agree. A hundred percent. What, this is a very broad sweeping question, but I think people probably haven't heard a direct answer. What, what is cold exposure? What is the benefit? Like tell, tell people a little bit about what it is that you do so that yeah. we can kind of grab, cause everybody gets an Instagram ad for a cold tub at this point <laughs> in life, right? But not everybody understands what it is, what the benefit is, how to do these things, how to do them reasonably safe. Like, I don't think, right. I don't think there's an understanding. I think it's just been pushed to people in a way where all of a sudden they're just like, holy shit, like, what is this? 
Yeah, it's been pushed to people that they're like, maybe I'm not well if I'm not cold plunging. Right. And but that's all they know is just like, if I'm not cold plunging, am I well? Yeah. But they they're not like, why is it good? Like, yeah. how do I do it safely? Um, and that's kind of that's actually how I got into it in the first place is because I started cold plunging like seven years ago. I I really made sure that when I was, I realized when I was actually posting on to my Instagram channel, I would post these like incredible spots in the middle of the mountains, you know, frozen lakes, holes in frozen lakes. And I wasn't actually properly educating people on the fact that, you know, I had a whole team to rewarm me should I not be well after it, or if I'd push my limit too far, or that I had a hut with a burning fire five steps away, that you know, I had hiked in and this was the temperature and had it been, you know, a little bit less or had it been colder, I wouldn't have done it. Or if the weather had changed, I wouldn't have done it. I wasn't doing that. And I realized as as about like three years ago, all of a sudden, cold exposure kind of became a thing that people were doing. And I was seeing some pretty dangerous stuff. I was like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. like, how, why would they do that? Like, and I realized it's because they didn't know it. They didn't do it intentionally. They just really had no idea. So I, that's why I started started guiding. And actually, my first first company that I worked for was with Arcteryx. And they're like, "Why are you even here? Like, why do you want to do this?" And I was like, "Because people need to know how to do this safely, and why they're even doing it in the first place." So with cold exposure, cold exposure is submerging your body or putting your body into cold water. So that cold water can come from a shower head, it could be in your bathtub, it could be a freezer that you've you've MacGyvered to now be your ice bath, it could be a flowing river that comes down from the water from the mountains. And typically anything that's 12 degrees Celsius or less is considered cold exposure. Now there's There's some research that's not like huge yet, but there's definitely more than there was three years ago. And the general protocol that research has found is that if you do two to three minutes per cold plunge, that's when all of the the cold exposure benefits, if you Mm. will, start to kick in. So under two to three minutes, they can still happen depending on depending on yourself. You know, if you're an individual who's really sensitive to your nervous system or your nervous system can be triggered quite easily less than two to three minutes could actually be do you wonders Mm. but when it comes to the physical benefits it typically takes about two to three minutes for that cold water to permeate your skin and then into your body for you to start to feel the benefits that come from the biological side of things which is you know decrease of inflammation was a is a big one that athletes really are called to because when you work your body hard and you mm-hmm. go out and do the thing in the mountains, you you are filled with inflammation yeah. <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, you're Just because you've yeah. worked your body. Exactly. Yeah. So oftentimes that's that's the piece that a lot of athletes or outdoor leisure athletes, we'll call them as well, really enjoy. But the big piece that I really work with people on is kind of the recalibration or the rewiring that happens to one's nervous system. So the psychological benefits or the mental health benefits that come with being in cold water. And that that comes with 
that can come at 30 seconds for some people that can come at two minutes. And then some people who are really not as sensitive maybe to their nervous system being fired, like firing or triggering, then it could, it could be eight to 10 minutes before they actually start to feel, okay, I'm doing something hard and yet I'm still staying in, mm -hmm. but I'm listening to my body so that when it, starts to shiver and then i start to lose some feeling here that i should probably get the buck out yeah yeah <laughs> time. how yeah how regularly is this a thing that people mm. should be doing i think that's a question too like i think there's plenty of people in the world myself included that'll go in and do one once or twice a year and i'm like dude i am god right now like i am like <laughs> i feel so good that's it i don't need to do it again like what and then there's people who like that i know well that do it like every other day so I don't know, yeah. is there a standard for how often is healthy to do it? There is a statistical average of where you'll receive the best health benefits for cold exposure. So just like they found that two to three minutes on average is the best biological effect, positive biological effect on your body. They found that it's around 11 minutes a week that will have the best effect on your body. So twice That's a year, it. twice like you, a year, not cutting it for me. Well, I mean, biologically, like for your body, it's probably not going, <laughs> those impacts are probably long gone at that point. But I mean, like that feeling that you mentioned, like, I feel like God, yeah. some people can do one cold plunge and they will feel like God for months. Yeah. You know, that's, it just depends on how, how easily you can regulate your nervous system sometimes, yeah. or maybe maybe it was just like right time and place. So your nervous yeah. system was already pretty calm. You got in and you're like, wow, this is phenomenal. This is easy. And maybe you don't need another one because you might have other practices in your life mm. that already trigger your nervous system. You might send it off cliffs while you're skiing. That's, that's doing hard things with your body. Like, yeah. I think we forget that the mental health benefits that come with cold exposure can be found in many other things that we do with our body. And especially when it comes to mountain sports, we find those moments readily, pretty quickly without us even realizing. Yeah. And that's a way of rewiring our nervous system as well. Yeah. But when it comes to the average for cold exposure specifically, yeah, two to three minutes in one session, 11 minutes a week. Okay. That's, that's what they found so far. And keep in mind, the research is limited right now. They could come out with another one and it could be completely different, but at least on the studies that they've found so far, that's the recommendation. Yeah. And it's recommendations that I really love because as I've been facilitating for a number of years now, I see a lot of the time, and because I started facilitating with athletes, I see ego. Yeah, Ego comes into for our sure. practice so easily in the mountains. I mean, we have to constantly check our ego to see, you know, is this actually safe? Should I actually be doing this? Mm -hmm. And the same needs to be done in cold exposure, but we often don't relate, you know, this could be really damaging and harmful to us if we don't listen to our bodies. Mm -hmm. If we're about to go into avalanche terrain while ski touring, we inherently know if I make the wrong choice, I could die. But when it comes to cold exposure, a lot of people are like, yeah, I'll stay in an extra 10 minutes because my ego, ego really needs it today mm -hmm. because I'm not going to die. I'm just going to be really uncomfortable. But uh, the, the fact is when you actually stay in past when your body actually needs you to, then you're, you're having a counterbalancing effect. 
like a, almost a negative consequence to your nervous system and that like, great, you can do hard things, but you're not, you're not actually going to listen to your nervous system. So yeah. when it tells you you need to get the fuck out, it's now worried that you won't get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny. Like I've never, obviously, like I said, I've cold plunge is a thing that I'll do like a couple times a year, but sauna I'll do all the time. And I feel the mm. same thing. It's like, sometimes I feel I'll walk in there and I feel very normal, very calm, very like, I'm just going to do this like 15 minutes mm -hmm. or whatever the standard is where you start to see some benefits. Like, mm. I feel like this is hard. I feel like this is good. Right. I'm, I'm doing it. And then some days I go in there and I'm going to go as hard as I possibly can until I'm like ready to black out by the time. And I feel horrible afterwards. Right. But yeah. some days that's just, it ends up being that way and and you're right i don't feel better afterwards <laughs> nothing about my body nothing about my mind feels better when i push it to that level of extreme i think there's there's a balance yeah. that can be found in a lot of these activities whether it's cold plunge or sauna or ski touring right where it's like yeah that was hard i feel really good about it and just finding that line yeah absolutely when you listen to your body magical things happen yeah. because then you're, <laughs> then it, you're not pushing it. Like it's good to you know, nudge your limits and then also go past it sometimes. But, and because your limits constantly are changing mm -hmm. as well. But when it comes to trying to understand, you know, what's happening inside, that's actually where the breath work comes in. Mm -hmm. So that's why oftentimes when I hold sessions or I do one-on-ones groups or retreats, we before we go into the cold water we do breath work mm -hmm. because as something you might you know know before you do a scary thing you typically give yourself you breathe you you, yeah. you take a breath you're like <sighs> like you just like you get ready for it and that's it's in those moments that we actually without us realizing we're connecting with our inner selves to be like can i do this yes i can do this mm. or no i'm I am literally a live wire. Something inside me is telling me, no, not today. Yeah. And with that breathwork practice, it really helps people. Typically, it's it's rare for people to come out of their breathwork practice and be like, no, not today. It does happen, though, where somebody is able to tell, you know, I've had a really stressful week. My nervous system is already fried. If I go into this cold water, I actually don't think it's going to help. It's just going to fry me more. So what's a more leisurely way in which I can activate my nervous system and reset it. Or maybe I just go in for 30 seconds and that's going to be enough for me today. So it's that, you know, you question, what do I need while you're in your breath work practice? And I, that's the piece that I really love and love incorporating for people because it finally gives them the space after such a busy day and in such a busy life that we get to ask ourselves, ask ourselves what do we need and we don't often ask ourselves that really important question yeah yeah what what do you think it is that has come about over the last few years that has made people decide okay breath work is a real thing like this is mm. a thing that i should be paying attention to i think for a long time it was people would say it and you'd just be like okay like, here's, yeah, uh, okay, go on, finish what you got to say, and, like, let me move on with my life, right? Like, nobody was taking right. it super seriously except for the people that were kind of in the know. And mm. I I mean, honestly, like, I was one of those people, too. And then, like, I started reading on it a little bit, and I started, like, diving into books on it. And, like, I'm like, okay, like, mm. this is a thing that while I am not disciplined enough to keep it in my, like, daily practices, 
Right. It's a thing that I find benefit in pretty regularly. So I, I guess what yeah. I'm wondering is where do you think that shift started to happen and why do you think that shift started to happen with a lot of the general public? Mm. I think, and this is my my personal guess, it's not based on anything, but kind of like my own personal hypothesis. And I think it came, it just comes down to accessibility. The fact that anybody can breathe you, if you are alive, you are breathing, so you can breathe. <laughs> yeah, you have It doesn't to, require... Yeah. <laughs> and that that in itself is, is fully accessible for anybody out there. You can take three breaths on your own. You don't need to t- pay a facilitator for you to learn how to take three deep, calming breaths. Mm-hmm. And you can do it anywhere. You don't need a mat. You don't need any equipment. You can literally sit down anywhere. You could do breath work on the bus. You could do it in nature. You could do it on top of a mountain. You can do it if you're temporary, temporarily disabled or long-term disability as well. Everybody can do it. Your age doesn't matter. And I think when st- people started to realize that, and it, you know, it is beneficial that you know, a friend of a friend was like, I did breath work today, it was so great. This is how it helped me, or I finally got to connect and ground down when I did breath work today. Or I took three breaths today and that really helped me when somebody cut me off in traffic. These little things started to pop up and we thought, hey, well, it helped my friend, Sally, let me try it. And then when you try it, you realize you can do it anywhere and then that has a precipitating effect for you to be, understand you, you can do this at any time, anywhere any anytime you want Hmm. yeah and that's super powerful there's not many things out there uh, not many wellness practices out there that is so accessible for everybody yeah yeah especially i mean this is like we said literally a thing you have to do anyway right like Mm -hmm. you have to do you have to breathe so yeah it, it makes it pretty open for the majority of people which which i think is really nice yeah yeah exactly what this will be one of the last things i ask you so i won't keep you too much longer but what (laughs) what does it look like for you when you do a retreat when you host an event what do those events actually look like like what is the what is the Mm. whole deal they vary greatly depending on who's showing up so if I'm working with athletes, we're talking a lot more about the biological benefits and nervous system regulation and how it's going to apply to their sport. If we're talking with individuals who just showed up at Vancouver Kitts Beach, then we're talking about possibly the mental health benefits and how you can incorporate this into your normal everyday practice. Mm. Workshops are intensive on the education side of things so people really understand the biological benefits and the nervous system regulation. And then how to really properly do the breath and then what it looks like for incorporating cold exposure in their day. And then when it comes to our retreat, which is one of my favorites, retreats are intensives in the fact that we get to start to play with our limitations. We haven't just given you an education and the protocols that are the basics and what we typically see. We actually get to start to play with okay, those are the averages, those are the stats we tell you, or at least research has told us is the most beneficial. Let's start delving into the practice for four days straight to see what do you need? 
what does Claudia need? Does she need breathwork every time she goes for a cold exposure? Or, you know, does she just need to jump into the water? And then mm-hmm. how long does like when does your shiver start? How long past that should you stay in? So it creates a really safe place for people to start to realize, okay, what I've got the basics. Now how do I really delve into a practice that is suited towards my needs specifically? And that's my favorite because working with people over a long period of time, over four days, with especially when we're all on site together, we become we become a, a family. And that's my favorite. Dave and I cook for everybody. So uh, Dave and I, as Dave, my co-facilitator, one of our favorite parts is nourishing people. And we do that through facilitating and guiding, but we also do that through cooking as well. So we have like huge family style dinners at this like long table in the house that we host our retreats. Um, And it's the same thing with nervous system coaching as well. When I take on clients, I take them on for three to six months. So having nervous system coaching for that period of time, I get to, well, actually, this is no surprise to me, I get to follow their journey, I get to see them realize and wake up to what they're, they're completely capable of, Mm. which is something I can realize in one session with somebody, but you know, it's always easier for somebody outside the situation to be like, wow, you're going to do great. Like you're going to do amazing things, but we're our biggest critics. So it takes some time to actually wake up to that and realize that. Yeah. And that's something that I loved in my old career, like working with somebody to get admissions, make their way through medical school and then become a doctor at the end. It was a much longer, I had to play the long game in my old career. Whereas this, I can see, I can really see people make those changes over a four day retreat or over three to six months of nervous system coaching. So why they're all a little different. (laughs) Yeah. Why the three to six months just out of curiosity. So it creates a bit of a commitment. You know, I, if somebody is like, I only want one month and then launch out from here, I'll work with people based on their needs, but usually three to six months is enough to create a bit of a practice where like the first month is basics. Okay. Here's the typical protocols. How did you feel? And then how did you feel when your nervous system was activated going into the cold exposure experience? Or like if you were feeling really relaxed, maybe you just came from the spa and then you had an amazing long session in the cold water and your breath work felt like it hit. What are aspects of that, that you can kind of incorporate to your day to day that you don't need the breath work and the cold exposure how do you kind of replicate that without utilizing these practices when sometimes you have to be at a board meeting or you have to be going somewhere so it allows me in a month to just get a beat on what the basics are like for and how they react to basics and then the the second and third month is really delving into how is this going to work for your specific lifestyle for your specific needs and experiences Hmm. awesome um last thing i'm gonna ask you is really easy uh where do people find Mm -hmm. you where do people get more information on you the website the instagram all all of this stuff if people want to be involved how how do they go about doing that yeah so a lot of my a lot of information will always be posted to my instagram page so wandering underscore claude c-l-a-u-d uh and then when it comes to my website it's wandering 
wanderingclaude.com. <laughs> I was like, oh God, I almost forgot there for a second. <laughs> That's because you don't have to type your own website in all the way ever, right? You've looked it up before you yeah. type in WA and then Google fills out the rest. That's true. And I'm also like notorious for being terrible at self-promotion. <laughs> so oftentimes when somebody's like, how do I find you? I'm like, uh, you know, just I'll be here. Uh, yeah, I'll be here. Like me, you can fi- you can find me maybe on Instagram if you want. Like yeah. <laughs> self promotion is not my strong suit. Um, so I oftentimes like skirt the question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, like probably pertinent to information for the podcast. I, so people are like, "Who was this woman?" I would say so. Yeah, I would. Say <laughs> um. Well, thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. This has been great. Oh, thanks for having me. I apologize for my cat crying in the background. I was not neglecting a baby. That's my cat. Yeah. Every time. (laughs) Yeah. Anytime I'm I'm on meetings, somebody's like, do you want to go check on your kid? I'm like, I literally uh, thought it was a kid. (laughs) I swear to God. I was like, all right. Like what? Like I, you don't need to go check on your kid. That's fine. No, that's, that's Gilbert. That's Gilbert, my like huge main coon that has oh, a set of pipes on him. Yeah. That's, I've got, I've got the same issue at home for sure. I got a main coon that does not like to be left alone or anything. Anytime it's going on on any other room, it's like, he's got to be a part of it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Well, thanks for having both me and Gilbert on your <laughs> podcast today. <laughs> anytime. I appreciate it.